Welcome to the Contrast Church Podcast. Contrast is located in Grandview, Ohio, with the mission to help people be with Jesus, become like Him, and live out His mission together. For more information on attending our meetings, our missional communities, or giving, visit contrast.church. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Jerry Sy. I'm the Connect Director here at Contrast. You also see me occasionally behind that thing playing keys, welcoming you. Apparently, Trey likes to put me in whatever other position he's not feeling like he's going to do today. Uh, and I uh, didn't realize, Trey, that we were taking that long of a break. And uh, so really, one thing I've learned in many years of having to do presentations at work and stuff, if you're the person that holds back anyone, the rest of the group from lunch or happy hour, you talk very quickly and get through your stuff as quickly as possible. I feel very much in that position right now since this is us closing out this part of Matthew uh, and jumping into some new stuff start, starting next week. Um, yeah, so if, you, if I haven't met you before, it, it's a pleasure. I hope to meet you soon. Come say hello afterwards. Uh, I saw a lot of new faces when I was standing outside. I was like, whoa, where are all these people? Who are all these folks? So I definitely need to do a better job of um, introducing myself and meeting all of you. I think part of it might be, too, because I've been traveling the last couple of weeks. I think I read a couple of news stories recently that said that uh, in the pandemic, uh, obviously travel went down significant, significantly, uh, but more recently, the numbers now, this spring break in, in, in particular, the numbers are back to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, I personally experienced that. I went to New York and to North Carolina the last couple of weeks for, for work and otherwise, and uh, it was the most full I'd ever seen the, the parking lot at the airport. And I'm like, what happened? I, I was used to being able to park up front. Now I'm all the way in the back. So I think the numbers are back. And... Um, uh, that was just my very simple way of trying to transition into a travel story. Uh, <laughs> I, don't have, I, don't, I don't have the experience like Trey does, like weaving this stuff kind of in. Uh, but one of the trips I got to take this, this past uh, winter was to Wisp, Maryland. And for those of you who don't know where Wisp, Maryland is, uh, it's a ski resort in western Maryland. It's about four hours away driving, so actually not that far. Uh, and got to take a trip there with some college friends. And... Um, so we were there, had an Airbnb, went skiing for a couple of days. Uh, what I didn't realize is it happened to be that all of these college friends of mine, there was only a handful of us, and a couple parents, uh, they were all devout Catholics. I was like, oh, cool. Like, so uh, instead of coming here that Sunday, we went to a Catholic Mass. I'm like, all right, haven't been to a Catholic Mass in a while. This will be interesting. I've only been to a couple to begin with. And I was like, all right, this will be interesting. And here are some of my takeaways that I had from, from going to this Catholic Mass. One, Catholic Mass, very interactive. You say something, or someone the priest says something, you say something, the priest says something, you say something. Now, there's a lot of back and forth. Did not realize how interactive Catholic Mass is. Two, it's kind of like church aerobics. You kneel, you stand. You kneel, you stand. All right? So there's a little bit of that, too. And then third, and probably most importantly, which I thought was very, very cool and beautiful, is a Catholic Mass no matter where you are in the world, is very much the same. They're doing the same scripture each week. They have a very similar routine, right? And, and, and there's this element of like, I could be in Australia, I could be in France, I could be in America, or even within America, it's all the, like you're gonna have a very similar experience. So like, 
to be able to share that with so many people across the world, I thought was very, very cool. And I hadn't been to a Catholic Mass in a while, so I was like, all right, great takeaways. Um, which then led me like pondering afterwards. I was like, well, then why is it that I hear like you know folks kind of talk a little bad about Catholic Mass and like kind of have this like anxiety and animosity towards it? And, and really, it's it, it starting to do like, why do folks have this like rejection of Christianity at large? And that's exactly what Matthew 13, 53 through 58 talks about today. Uh, see that segue coming through? Yeah? All right? All right. All right. You're with me. You're with me. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, that, that idea of rejection, right? That's what we're going to be talking about today, Matthew 13, 53 through 58. Um, went to the good old dictionary, Cambridge Dictionary, and said, well, what exactly is rejection? Well, it's a noun. It's the act of refusing to accept use, or believe someone or something. And that is where we'll center our conversation today, our reflection today, is around when Jesus actually returns home to his hometown and is rejected. Uh, but before we jump into that passage, let's do a quick recap of where we've been for, I, I, I actually have lost track how many weeks we're in it, so for a while, but in particular, Matthew 13. So, Matthew 13, this chapter holistically, has been Jesus putting to rest the opinions, wrong opinions, uh, that people have of him and why he's come to the world. Uh, he did this through parables, lots of, lots of stories that we've heard and uncovered over the past weeks uh, to kind of find that hidden truth, something that you have to seek out, that knowledge you have to seek out. And so in recap, here's, here are the parables that we've, we've heard over the last couple of weeks. About a month or so ago, Nick shared about the parable of the sower, where he had these seeds, and they were planted in different environments, the path, and then like a shallow soil that was, and then deeper soil, and, and how that then changes what happens to that seed. Trigg joined us the following week, and he went through and he did the parable of the weeds, explaining that alongside the seed, you will also have weeds. Right? There's, uh, they coexist in the same world, and we, we need to recognize that alongside being a, a plant and, and growing seed, you'll have weeds around you as well. And essentially, the dichotomy of evil and good being in the same place. And then Sean, we had the privilege of Sean joining us as well, and he did the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast, uh, essentially sharing that, that, that the smallest seed of Jesus and, and his kingdom can cause a massive impact on the world, our lives, and all those around us. Uh, notice I haven't said Trey's name at all in the last month. <laughs> and then, of course, Trey, last week, uh, he shared about the parable of the kingdom and, and how that is w uh, one thing that will cost you everything. It's zero or 100. You don't get it in between. And if you do choose that 100 and you're full in, you will be provided the utmost joy, a life of fulfillment, and it should then impact all those around you. People should notice that or about you, around you. And so that's where we've been over the past month or so. And at this point in Matthew, uh, Jesus, having he was on a boat essentially sharing these parables to, to the disciples, and then there were people on the shore who were able to hear him as well. Uh, but they close out this, this part of like the, the teaching of this part of Matthew, and he actually then returns home to his hometown in Nazareth. 
And that's where we will pick up now. In Matthew 13, 53 through 58, we'll be reading out of the NET if you want to join me in your, your, your Bible or, or in your, your phone app accordingly. So let's jump in. Uh, Matthew 13, 53. Now when Jesus finished these parables, he moved on from there. Then he came to his hometown and began to teach the people in their synagogue. They were astonished and said, where did this man get such wisdom and miraculous powers? And so we'll pause there. We'll stop there. Uh, and if you want to go back one, up to you. <laughs> um, and so let's just really break each section up. So what, what, what's happened here? So he's gone back to his hometown. And, the, and in case you don't know, his hometown here of Nazareth is pretty small, 1,500 people. All right, so that's pretty small. Obviously, the community we live in is much larger than that. Heck, I think when I was walking through the streets in New York, I probably passed 1,500 people in like three blocks kind of thing. So uh, pretty small. So everyone kind of knows everyone in this case, uh, which we'll see why that's important in just a second. Um, and, and one thing, he, he just goes and he continues what he's been doing. He's teaching. He's teaching in the synagogue. And something that's often missed is that it references miraculous powers which means he's performing miracles. He's healing people in this, 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 this time and at, the, at, his, home, at his hometown. Um, but the issue uh, that we'll see here in just a second is that the people of his hometown, they don't know Jesus like this. They don't know that this is, well, they don't know that he, he's the son of man, essentially, right? Uh, son of God, son of man, yeah, yeah son of God. <laughs> um, and so, what they start doing in reacting to this is they start trying to clarify, no, no, no. Oh, I know who this person is, which then takes us to uh, 55, where they start questioning, asking, wait, isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And aren't all his sisters here with us? So where did he get all this? They have a preconceived notion of who this person is. And, whether, and instead of opening their minds and hearts to what he actually is, they're going back and trying to justify in their own heads. They're like, no, 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 you're not, you're not the person who can perform miracles. You're not a person that can teach us all these things about the kingdom, share their good word. No, no, we're going to identify you as what we know you as, as a carpenter's son. Oh, yeah, we know who your mom is. We know who your brothers and sisters are. They're essentially like in their own heads trying to re-justify, reframe who this person is. And they question all this stuff. They question his legitimacy. Right? And if we were to stop and say, well, like, why, why, why is that? As humans, ourselves, we probably do this all the time, whether we recognize it or not. When we have a difficult time re-seeing something that we've already kind of programmed in our, in our heads. Right? We can't imagine that this, they, could be so, they could have changed. They could be something different. We can't figure out why they're doing that or why they're new or anything. Maybe it's our own things. We don't want to change our own lives or ruffle our own perspectives in, 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 of, of what this, in this case, Jesus is. And then maybe even we're jealous of what this person has turned into or who they actually are. And so, if we look at 57, and so they took offense at him. They took offense at him. This is 
the Son of God, he will die on the cross for all of our sins, and they are taking offense to him. Now, how could this be? How could these people think that way? So if we were to translate it into something that's more of a modern-day thing, I, I encourage you to, to join me on this journey. Let's say we go back to, to high school, and you identify a person in your head who's that like average student, maybe a C-plus average, kind of a goofball, you know, does some questionable things, playing pranks on teachers or other students and all that. Just like, doesn't seem like they, they got it all together. But, you know, they're, they're, they're going through life. And, you know, 20 years later, you're sitting in a doctor's office, and this person walks in the door and says, hey, I'm your brain surgeon. I'm sure in your head you're like, wait a second. What I know of you tells me that you should, one, not be a brain surgeon, and two, I'm not going to let you touch my brain. <laughs> All right? You have this preconceived notion of who this person is, which would explain, if we were to go back to this time with Jesus and in Nazareth, where all these people, this, you know, the 1,500 that are from his hometown, they know Jesus as the carpenter's son. Right? Mary is his mother. Brothers and sisters are the people that you know, we just talked about and so forth. When he was there, he wasn't performing miracles. He didn't leave that town and having performed miracles there previously. He wasn't sharing about the kingdom previously. And so their perception of him, especially in a culture at that time where rank and where you, your status is in society is so important, like they don't see him but as the, a peasant boy, essentially. And he's come back and he's like, oh, you're, you're telling me through stories and otherwise teachings, performing miracles, that you're the son of God and you're, you're able to share what this, this kingdom will look like? Oh, I can't. They can't fathom that. But here's the, probably the more challenging part, and this is really where I think we should hone in our, our experience. It's not like they aren't seeing the miracles. It's not like they aren't hearing the teachings. There is proof in how Jesus is performing miracles in his hometown. There's proof in his teachings that he is that person. Right? And yet they are still unable to change their own minds, their own hearts to receive him. And so I think if there's an element of these people not being able to humble themselves and so forth... It's probably here present today in our current day. I'm not able to change my mind about that C-plus student that is now my brain surgeon. Because I have all these preconceived things. Or let's flip the script. Perhaps you're that person that changed. Perhaps you're that person that is now, and I'll tell you a little bit of my personal story here, it's just like, is now a believer and no one knew you as that person. And they are the ones who are rejected. And, and, and you're being rejected by those around you, sharing about Jesus and the good word. And so let's see how Jesus responds to this as we move into the rest of, of 57 and through 58 here. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own house. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. 
uh, I actually got a different translation of this, the same part of, of Matthew uh, from the NLT that I think puts it in a, a, bit, a little bit easier perspective, where it reads, then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. And so here he's essentially saying that those who are prophets are oftentimes rejected uh, by those closest to them. Uh, and it would be natural then, of course, for him to experience it and uh, the same pain and hardships that, that they would face. And it seems that God's message can be met with a lot of anger, resentment, and rejection. Is how he's sharing this part of it. Uh, and we ask them, like, well, why is that? Why is it that those folks would do that? Why is it that that would happen? And I, I think there's, there's, there's probably something to be said that people's hearts are hardened or they are scared or, or they don't want to face the truth. And that is why they reject, in this case, the Son of God and Jesus. And so as I reflected on this over the last couple of weeks in preparation here, I was like, well, how have I felt this in my own life? Uh, and part of my story here is, is around uh, me being becoming a believer much, much later in life. I became a believer at age 33. Right? So most of my life, the people who have known me from childhood, college, after college, and all that, they all know me as party Jerry, good time Jerry. I'm still good time, I think. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but not Christian believer Jerry. And so when I think about this idea, well, even Jesus was rejected in his own hometown, and how I face this on a regular basis, or could face this on a regular basis, it's with those people who have known me from my past, right? They know me as someone who didn't go to Sunday gatherings, didn't read the Bible, and so forth. And so I actually see this dichotomy flipped on me, where I'm, I'm actually scared to some extent to, to have and face the conversations with those folks as it relates to my journey with Christ. All right? And so I go into these conversations or I see these folks, if you know, I hang out, luckily with that Maryland trip, they were all believers too, so it was a little easier to have those conversations. But with uh, the golf trip that I went on in North Carolina a couple weeks ago, like none of them know me as that person. And it's like, how do you have those kind of conversations when in the back of my head, I'm afraid of that rejection that, they, that will come to me if I bring up, you know, oh, yeah, I'm super involved at the church, and, oh, I have a teaching I'm going to do in a couple of weeks and so forth. And so what do I do? I default to not talk about it. All right? Or, this one hits home a bit more, uh, my parents. Obviously, they've known me in my entire life. That's how that works. Um, and... They're not believers. And so, I mean, I hesitate sometimes to be like, hey, mom and dad, do you want to come and see me teach at church? Like, I hesitate with people that I should put so much energy and so much time into to help them learn and hear about my journey so maybe they will join in that journey or have their own journey with Jesus. And why? Because I'm afraid of that rejection. 
And, 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 you know, there, there are ways in which we can respond to this and so forth. And so um, Jesus would show us, hey, what, what did he do? What did he do? He, he, he continued to teach. He continued to perform miracles. He kind of calls them out to say, like, hey, I'm trying to tell you, like, I am who I am. And then he, he obviously continues on, as we'll learn in the next coming weeks, like he continues on what, what his journey was supposed to be, dying on the cross for us forgiving all of our sins. He keeps the path. And so then I think, okay, well, with those friends from college, or those golf buddies, or my parents, what should I be doing then? I should. And I'm encouraged because God, you know, when you reflect and pray on it, he's like, well, keep praying for him. Even if it's uncomfortable, keep bringing the conversation up. Uh, Even though that rejection may seem too hard in the moment, it's if Jesus shows us the path of like you can still do it, you should continue on. Then we, if we're going to emulate Him, then we should do that. Is it possible, perhaps, that you're in those shoes as well? That someone from way back knows you, knew you at your worst. You're afraid to have that conversation with them or bring up that topic. Or when you were younger, you, you know, they know you as X, Y, Z, and they don't see you as the person you are today in your journey with Christ. If we all go through, try to stand true in our beliefs, still love and pray for all those around us, continue to go down and bring those conversations as awkward and uncomfortable as they may be, and continue to be the light, then I think we're embodying our mission as Contrast Church so forth. Um, and we're reminded that, that is a big idea for today, that we will face rejection because we are believers, just as Jesus did, even from those that are closest to us. But despite this, we must still live as Jesus did. And as we're reminded by the lovely little light we have outside of our building here at the 1540, we're reminded that we should be the light. And it was kind of fun for me to then see that. It's a great Instagram-worthy area of our building to, to be the light. But um, I think that's probably more universal than we realize because um, even the Catholic Church in Maryland encourages their folks, to be the light. I uh, sent that picture originally to my core group, and I'm pretty sure one of my fellow core group members said, we should sue them. (laughs) And uh, I'm pretty sure I responded with, uh, I think the Catholic Church has been around a little bit longer than Contrast Church. (laughs) Uh, But the message is still the same. Right? Maybe that actually is a bit more powerful than we think to be the light. Even when Jesus went back to his hometown and was faced with rejection, he stayed the course and he continued to be the light. And that message was received in a manner that not just like us, we're encouraging others ourselves to be, be the light, but even the Catholic Church and all those around there are trying to encourage their folks as well. So as the band joins here on stage, uh, I want us to take 
the reflection time that we'll have here in just a section, just a section, just a second, uh, to reflect on a couple of questions. How have you historically reacted when someone rejects you or your belief in Jesus? Are you holding back your faith when you're around certain family members or friends or coworkers or folks who have known you as a maybe a different, slightly different version of you? Because of that, and they know you as a different version of you? And how will you act and or react the next time you're in a situation where you're rejected because of your love of Jesus? Now, as we transition to this reflection time, uh, we do this every week here at Contrast. Uh, where you have a bread and cup that you can get from the back, or we'll, we'll pass them out here shortly. It's time for us to um, remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Uh, we, we actually are, are expanding this a bit to also be a time of prayer. And so we'll actually extend the time for us to pray as well. There are folks in the back who are happy to pray for you. Uh, you can certainly stay at your seats and pray as well, and so forth. But it's a time to truly reflect on those questions and and, and then also take some time to, to remember what Jesus did for all of us. Thank you for listening to the Contrast Church Podcast. To learn more about us and how you can be a part of it, visit contrast.church.